Altitude's undefeated. Crap, maybe we'll punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I don't think I was running in the stand <laughs> to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hallelujah, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Monday, July 10th, 2023. The USMNT won an ugly nail-biter in penalties against Canada to make the Gold Cup semifinals. Pour one out for Moist Bombito. Porrick Smith has been cooking up some good stuff in the first week of the transfer window. Mother Nature postponed another home game, or at least half of one. Well, the Colorado Rapids finally won a home game and inducted Drew Moore into the Gallery of Honor. Praise Rapid Man. Joining me now to keep calm and get fired up, Rabbi Mark Goodman. Yeah, how's it going? I saw on uh, Twitter there was someone who, um, or no, it was in, uh, oh, in my other new favorite place now that Twitter's sort of falling apart, um, my, uh, which is um, uh, Threads? Reddit. There was Reddit. someone who started a Reddit thread basically saying like, hey, we need a new mascot. This Rapid Man guy is really weird and very off-putting. And like, you would love the responses that got dropped in there, which was basically like, get out of here, noob. What are you talking about? But it was very enjoyable. I, I quite like that. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm good. I did my final big warm-up hike for uh, getting ready for 14 or season mark, so I might be cracking open that first proverbial beer on this weekend or next weekend probably, so that's very exciting, and obviously it's been a crazy busy time. It, it was funny, Mark, on um, on Saturday, I kept having to check my calendar because even though I was at a Rapids game and I did not go to work that day, I could not remember what day of the week it was. It was at this point where they've all blended together. And if I'm at Dick Sporting Goods Park for a night game, it's not obvious to my brain if it is a Wednesday, a Saturday or a national holiday. I look forward to that renormalizing after this week where the Rapids will obviously play on Wednesday their second half against Portland Timbers, and then play Houston, and then obviously we'll return to some semblance of normalcy in the next month. Sounds exciting. Sounds really good. I don't have anything nearly as exciting to report because mostly I um, work. But other than that, I just got back from Los Angeles. I had a nice time there. Um, mostly just seeing family. Uh, did not get to go to the big Galaxy uh, LA uh, FC match because I was spending time with the fam. And you didn't want to take you didn't want to take the entire night to get home out of the Rose Bowl, right? Chicken, uh, chicken tacos with uh, my extended family for the first time in a year was better than watching a match between two teams I don't actually support, but would have been a lot of fun nonetheless. So, but I am still waiting to see the Galaxy at their stadium at some point in my life, which is super strange considering I'm a native Los Angelino who has been a soccer fan since the late 80s so that's that's just how it is man we'll have to did you rabbi did you ever go to an aztecs game no they're they they proceed my existence i believe i mean i was i was 
I think they went out of business in either 80, 82 or 84. No, I went to an L.A. Lasers game, which is, uh... Wow. It has been mentioned on this podcast, I believe, before. But yeah, I think it was 1987 or 88. I saw the L.A. Lasers Major Indoor Soccer League. Um, or maybe it was the... Wait. Yeah, I think it was the Indoor Soccer League then. It wasn't called the Arena Soccer League. That's what they call it now. But um, but yeah, and there's actually a couple of semi-famous names that I probably saw, but at the time I was 10 years old, so I wouldn't have known what the heck that was. Anyhow. One day, one day, Rabbi, I will take you down to the Diggity, or as I remember, the Home Depot Center. I have been there a number of times, and I actually performed there for a high school marching band competition, Mark. So I have played, albeit not soccer, on the same pitch that David Beckham uh, put his foot, uh, put his feet down on. Uh, if anything, I was there before David Beckham. Sousaphone, but in any case. Uh, Mark, we've got a lot of transfers to talk about, so why don't we start with the news of today, which is that the Colorado Rapids confirmed what had been much rumored by Vene Casagrande. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, and then uh, effectively confirmed over the weekend by Tom Bogert over at The Athletic, which is that the Rapids are signing Rafael Navajo, uh, striker from... Palmeiras listed at six foot tall, 23 years old, um, what is 185 pounds, and then reportedly, and I have heard this as well, Mark, that it is a half a million dollar loan fee, and it is a 12-month loan, and there's an option to buy next summer uh, for the for $4.5 million, so effectively the entire package to acquiring him potentially $5 million USD. That nearly doubles the club record for a transfer fee set in February 2015 by Juan Ramirez at reportedly $2.7 million. Mark, the three YouTube highlight videos that I've seen of him that I included in the article on Burgundy Wave about this. Uh, I think he fits the mold. He's a fox in the box. He's pretty decent in the air. He's good from a technical skills standpoint. You haven't necessarily seen the physical presence in terms of him fending off or really being feisty with center backs in ways that Ibiaga and Darren Yappi went at it at times this past weekend. Is that a reflection of his skill set or is that just not how Brazilian center backs tend to defend. I do not recall uh, um, uh, who am I thinking from um, Thiago Silva getting super physical with Zlatan Ibrahimovic when they were both in the Premier League. But if you just look at his skill set and the highlights, which again are um, are the highlights for a reason, this guy seems to fit the mold. And if they can get something out of this, this is a guy who absolutely could be a $5 million striker for the Rapids. He could finally fill that hole for DP, uh, you know, final third, a difference maker for the Rapids. And uh, not also insignificantly, Mark, this could be an indication of financial intent from KSC and finally end the Kevin Cabral up top experiment. It's exciting. Um, it's too early to tell, though, of course, because um, I do think the there are two challenges. I, I do think it's weird. Um, it's being reported as a DP move, which assumes that his price is, you know. Uh, well, on, I think on transfer free alone, Mark, you'd have to be a DP. Unless you amortize it. Well, you couldn't amortize it alone. Wait, no, there's no transfer fee. Yeah, so it would have to be on salary. I apologize. Matt had a full thought. Let me finish. If it's if it's a half million dollar loan fee, um, and you're probably right in that it's a DP signing. But my point is this, Matt. It's a DP loan. That's very weird, right? How many other teams have gotten a DP, have 
have gotten a loan and had to be a DP at the same time. I'm not sure that that's ever happened. The Colorado Rapids with Eunice Nomley. <laughs> right. That was a loan? That was a loan. That was the two-year... Yeah, that was a loan with an option to buy. So, I mean... So that's weird, right? I mean, it basically says... And I think the other thing is, you know, uh, Lucas Estevez um, and now Marco Illich, the Rapids keep getting into the situation where they loan with a price to buy and then they don't then they try to renegotiate the price to buy um and i'm starting to get uncomfortable with that being our mo that it's like a repeating kind of trend with us because to me it feels like we're cheap right it feels like we're gonna try this and we're gonna lock it in on a price where if the guy overperforms expectation we'll look like geniuses because we locked in a low price and if he underperforms expectation we let him go. Now, the problem with that is if a guy underperforms expectation, let's keep, let's take Marco Illich for an example. We could, we could make the argument that Marco Illich underperformed expectation, but he only got three starts. So, like, what expectations did we have for him in three starts? Like, you can't really know anything about a player in three starts. So what we did was we took him on for six months. We didn't really use him. He played three matches. He wasn't spectacular. And we sent him home. Um, so I just don't like this trend for the Rapids of loan deals um, that have a, a, a clause to a buy on clause at the end. I mean, I, I like them as an idea, I suppose, except we use them all the time now. And now we're using them for a DP. So that's thing one. Thing two, which is probably more important, is the Rapids have a DP. He's a striker. He's from Brazil. He's 23 years old. He fits, he ticks all the boxes that a Colorado Rapids fan would want him to tick, which is he's youngish, he's promising, he's from a well-respected league, um, he's the right position for what we need. Um, you know, all we need at this point is for him to come good, but, you know, the only challenge of that, of course, is that the Rapids' history with players from Brazil is fairly terrible. Um, that's kind of ridiculous in the sense that, like, you know, you can't judge an entire country and say, like, all players who come from Brazil to Colorado don't work out. Because, like, what does that even mean? Because, of course, there are lots of players who come from Brazil to Major League Soccer and play great. And if you look at the grand sweep of history, Brazilian soccer players are good at the football, Matt. So, anyways, I, I, I like to judge him based on um, his, his expected merits, but, um, you know... You know, I got my fingers crossed. We're excited. Uh, we don't really know yet, though. Yeah, no, it's it's a good point, Mark, that we don't have a I don't watch. I I other than the occasional highlight, really, usually when there's a guy linked to a club that I have some curiosity about. I, I can tell you, Mark, I watched plenty of Andres Pereira from his time in Brazil when ultimately he made the move from Manchester United to Fulham this past summer, a year ago now. But I, I don't think we have enough perspective on this. A few other news and notes that I want to say, Mark, that show that this signing is significant. I believe this is the first time since 2016 that the Colorado Rapids have had three DPs simultaneously. And at that time, it would have been Kevin Doyle, 
Um, well, it might be tw- might have been 2017 technically. Kevin Doyle, Skalshingashi, and Tim Howard were the DPs at that time. To your point, Mark, um, the Rapids don't yet have a proven track record with South American players, to say nothing of the fact that probably the most disappointing one of those uh, was... Lucas Estevez, who's coming for, who came from Palmeiras as well, so I could see where fans have some skepticism about that. But I, I think we're still waiting for Galvan to hit Mark. We'll get to him in a couple of minutes when we talk about his game-winning goal over the weekend. But he's still, you know, he's, he's coming back from an injury last year. He's still a bit of a hothead, and we've seen his emotions be an incredible asset to him, and we've seen them also be an incredible detriment to the team. Now, Were the Rapids super aware of that? Were they not super aware of that? Was that a scouting thing, given the club's overemphasis, not overemphasis, given the club's rightful emphasis on character and references and understanding the type of person they're getting, not just the type of player? Or could there have been more done from a coaching standpoint when, you know, the could have prevented the two red cards that Galvan got this past year. Similarly, Lucas Estevez, a bit of a hothead, that was a red flag regards to him that was a contributing factor to him not being signed permanently from the Colorado Rapids. And then also, as well, you've got Max, which is a bit of a total wild card situation in that, uh, you know, the, I, I don't know that you're recruiting, you know, does this guy have a gambling addiction? Is there a possibility he could fall prey to that? Has he not been told a hundred times as a professional soccer player, you bet on the sport and you get found out, FIFA will come after you to say nothing of the uh, to say nothing of the legal ramifications that could be against you in the country in which that takes place. So the Rapids have yet to have a hit on that regard. In terms of interdomestic acquisitions, they've had hits on that. In terms of players who are of the level of the championship in the EFL, the Rapids have a better hit rate with that. If we're talking about Connor Ronan, if we're talking about Jack Price as well, I can see where Rapids fans are uh, you know, have some skepticism towards that. Where I would push back or a few other counterpoints to that, Mark, I have reason to believe that the Rapids were scouting um, Navajo before he was at Palmeiras, which was about 18 months ago. So it was at not Bogota, Bofongo, I think it is, um, that's in the second division. So I think they have a good under, they've scouted him, I think, as long as they've scouted any one of the players they brought over from South America. I have to believe, given what went on with Max and what went on with Estevez, that they've done their due diligence from a character scouting standpoint. And obviously they've been out, out, they've been on the lookout for a, you know, a big number nine signing basically since Porrick Smith has been at the club. If we're talking about, you know, um, you know, a DP number nine, I guess, other than who was the one in Yannick Boley? Does that sound right, Mark? He was bad. He cost $925,000 and he was bad. And one was a PK. Yes, so I have to think they've done a significant amount of work understanding the type of player that they want and specifically seeing that out. And if they've been scouting him longer than 18 months, maybe they know something that other people who have scouted him for less amount of time uh, have not. So we'll see. I'm not entirely sure. Mark, your question about the, you know, the slapping the tag of ultimately $5 million in order to acquire him is a nice idea. But to your point, it's punting on 
that decision and ultimately that it's a statement of intent it's not the actual intent itself and so i can see where fans are still skeptical of like the i refuse to believe that ksc is actually willing to shell out the necessary money to get a big name player that's going to make a difference for this team until i actually see them do that and they've committed to revisiting the question in 12 months time just like they committed to revisiting the that question in four months time with marco ilicha on that note, Mark, um, Brandon Plone for the Denver Post has confirmed that Marco Ilicha is no longer uh, he's no longer training with the team. He is technically not a Colorado Rapid player. His loan has expired. He was not available for selection on Saturday against Dallas. He was not at training today, and the Rapids are still in negotiations regarding um, whether or not they want to sign him. And I think, Mark, your questions about what went on there, are they trying to haggle the price, or as I interviewed with him interviewed him for burgundy wave earlier this season mark he kind of alluded to maybe some personal off the field stuff that was a factor in him wanting to leave belgium and maybe that is contributing to a factor in terms of uh whether or not he wants to come back to the rapids or look for an opportunity just somewhere else in europe which he certainly i believe would be able to do or maybe he wants to go back to kbk since they managed to barely stay up in the belgian first division um to your point mark he only got three starts i kind of question at this point i feel like if he was so much better than william yarbrough he would have gotten more playing time than he did i have said mark that i am increasingly doubtful of ali laraz and of sebastian Anderson and maybe some of the other young center backs because if Abubakar Keita and Mike Edwards were consistently better than Lawless Abubakar and Danny Wilson in training, they would have gotten more minutes this time. And if Marco Ilicha was 1% better than William Yarrow from the first day that he got here, I think he would have gotten more than three MLS starts. I can see where the Rapids see a lot more potential than him. He's younger. Yarbrough, we know, is only going to deteriorate from an age standpoint. They've got two young goalkeepers they could give an opportunity to. Uh, Mark, what do we think? Do we care? Or could the Rapids go and find somebody like a um, like a Brad Stuver somewhere in MLS off the bench for 250k that could be a goalkeeper of the year in two years? Uh, I mean, I, I think Illich is... Um, departure is expected. I do wonder whether the Rapids line that they gave Brendan Plone, um, that we're still in negotiation with them. I, I'll be, I'll be honest. It strikes me that that's not true. Um, in that he's gone and there's no, um, record of him. Um, you know, it would seem to me that you would, make a short-term deal for a six-month extended loan and renegotiate if you really wanted the guy. If he's... Like they did with Estevez, to point that out. They saw potential in him, it didn't work out. Right, and they soft-pedaled it for like a month, and then they were like, yeah, he's gone. My take is that they probably talked to his agent and his team and were told, can you pretend like you're still negotiating with him so it makes it look like he's in demand which inflates his value in the Belgian and in the Serbian market if he's there. Maybe I'm like trying to play six-dimensional chess where the Rapids communications department has basically just been told, don't tell the reporters anything because we don't have anything to tell them. But um, he's gone, and uh, I, I'm, I'm literally looking at my, my spreadsheet, which I you know update meticulously and is almost a religious practice for me. And I'm trying to decide whether to delete his name or whether that's in, inappropriate since he hasn't officially been gone. Um, but whatever it is, it takes $382,489,000 off our 
off our budget. Um, but the signing of Andrew Gutman, who I'm sure you are going to mention in a minute. Go ahead. I'll just say um, it needed a, 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 an equal and uh, opposite reaction. And now that we've added um, uh, <laughs> uh, Rafael Navarro, um, there's going to have to be an additional move um, to offset that. Because according to my records, we've got a, a full list. The other interesting note that I'm sure you either were going to bring up or really want me to talk about because you're desperate for me to break news or say anything interesting on this podcast since you have all the brilliant um, pearls of wisdom and I'm just here to kind of like, you know, uh, bat it around and and be your yes man, which is fine by me sometimes, Matt. I'm totally happy (laughs) to to kowtow to your brilliance uh, and your your news-breaking-iness. But um, even though um, Jonathan Lewis is practicing with the team i think we've now had two games in a row where he didn't appear in the 18-man lineup which means to me jonathan lewis is in the throes of a sale deal to another team and he's not appearing in the 18 not because he's not good enough but because the absolute last thing you want to do when you're in the middle of a hot and heavy negotiation with another team is play that guy and have him be injured because at that point um he's worthless so my take here is we have two players in. We're going to have two players out. Those two players are Lewis and Illich. So uh, so a few things there, Rabbi. First of all, I should say, according to the availability report that the clubs put out the last two games, uh, Lewis was, question- I think, questionable and then ultimately ruled out of those two games. Uh, Mark, you've already expressed your uh, concerns or maybe skepticism towards the public statements from the club, and we've talked about this in the past given how they're handling um, injury news right now, so I won't touch on that. I think the question that I have, Mark, is, well, in the the one data point that we don't have in terms of Marco is we never we never got a rumor or we never got confirmation of what that pre-agreed transfer fee was. And in instances where we've gotten some hunch of that, that at least is a barometer of, you know, based on what we're seeing from that player, is he worth it or is he not? And so I have to then wonder, the Rapids did a bunch of research on Marco Ilicha. Maybe they thought, okay, let's negotiate what we think or what we think KVK thinks that he is worth and then you see him for a couple of months and then maybe so maybe there's some gamesmanship going in that Chris Sharpie has obviously had a very close look at him for several months as well Robin Frazier has got to see him in a couple games as well and so maybe they're reevaluating what they think what they think that fee is and so maybe in that regard with that new information they actually think he's worth less than what that fee is and then maybe they're actually truly trying to haggle and given the Rapids right now budget pending a um you know, a tentative check for $4.5 million next summer for Rafael Navahu, Rabbi. Get used to Rafael Navarro for me. Yes. Yeah, so in in his defense as well, Mark, he, he put out a, he recorded a video that the Rapids put out on social and then he was calling them the Colorado Rapids. So maybe there's something with what uh with what R.A. looks like in Brazilian Portuguese that makes the ha sound, whatever. So um, we're the Rapids because we're happy here, Rabbi. Um. So there's that. So that's the one data point we don't have on Marco that I would like to find out. And I would like to know that maybe is giving me an understanding of um, how serious the interest in Illich is. Uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Jonathan Lewis. And I kind of said, I don't think I think he could be on the chopping block. I don't think he's not being played because the Rapids don't want him to get hurt and then get shot. But I'll just address three other rumors, Mark, that I pretty much am not convinced in. First, uh, Turkish midfielder T- 
Tayan Antayali, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, he was on loan. He was on loan to a mid-table team in the Turkish Super League. He's owned by Galatasaray. Um, Ecuadorian defensive mid- midfielder Oscar Zambrano, um, who is at the U20 World Cup with Ecuador, and he's playing for Quito, who are one of the super clubs in Ecuador. And then uh, it's been a month now almost, Rabbi, since uh, that English link that you got from Football Insider two, uh, 24-7 that linked Lewis to Leicester City, and we already kind of talked about that. I was speaking, Mark, during one of the recent rain delays with somebody within the front office and they were asking me what I thought of the rumors in the news. The person had mentioned seeing that I started the rumor tracker again, admitted to not having read it. It wasn't somebody high up. Listeners, if I were to say this person's name, I would bet 95% of highliners wouldn't get it. Mark, you probably know who this individual and what their role is within the club. And when I mentioned those three links, I got a very visible and what I perceive to be genuine confusion in that, which tells to me what I already thought based on those links given. It's been a month since Lewis and it doesn't pass the smell test. And the other two links for the Ecuadorian and the Turkish guy are not coming from legitimate sources for me. And then also some of that doesn't pass the smell test. So I'm, I'm flat out saying those are cold. And then even then, all three of those were just the potential buying club expressing interest or having scouted. And by that logic mark here, I could come here and name 10 teams either playing in the group stage of Champions League or Europa League this season that have scouted Darren Yappi in the last three years. Surprise, no one's coming in for a $5 million bid for Darren Yappi right now. I don't even think it warrants. Nobody's really excited about a goal goal scoring uh, striker who's 18 years old who hasn't scored any goals. Like it's just, it's ridiculous because I think we all see him as very um, physically talented and potentially um, technically gifted, but nobody's going to pay for a goal scorer who hasn't scored any goals. That's just how it is. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so I do want to, we did talk about Daniel Chacon, Mark, but I did hear from a club source again during one of the rain delays as well um, that, um, so he's been dealing with an injury. He'd been out, I think, almost two months. I'd have to go back and look at the calendar, but he played a bunch of games in April and then he um, started missing time and he hadn't really been in training until really the last like 10 days, two weeks probably at time of recording. It was not a serious injury, Mark. The rapid it's two availability reports, which is still giving injury specifics, listed it as a right knee injury. Um, it not a torn ACL, nothing that required surgery. Um, no, no loose bodies, Mark, that you needed to go in and get scoped out or anything. But Chacon needed a proper preseason, and given where Rapids two are, and given how well they're playing, I'm not sure that he's getting back in the team. To say nothing of his quality relative to a Mike Edwards, a Blake Malone, etc. Obviously, he was a player who was at the. World Cup for Costa Rica. He's still highly regarded within Costa Rica. There was a lot of interest in him when there was a loan opportunity. And given that Costa Rica La Liga has the same format as Mexico, he's going on loan for half a season, but it's the apertura in La Liga where he's going to Alajuelense, who are going to play a bunch of games, are going to be expected to win. It's going to be a high level. It's going to be competitive. He's coming in as a big name that they're bringing in on loan, coming off of playing uh, at the World Cup with Los Ticos in Qatar. 
And so it's a opportunity for him to have a proper preseason and then hit the ground running and then effectively come in fit and in midseason form for that preseason upon which I hear this so many times, Mark, there's so many people within the organization that still think he can be a contributor to the first team in 2024, even though it still feels like we never really got to fully know him with Rapids 2, but that's what Rapids 2 is kind of there for. So that was just the one other little tidbit. I am excited about Daniel Chacon in that regard. On that note, Mark, let's get to Andrew Gutman, who absolutely balled out at altitude for 90 minutes. No nonsense. Attacking fullback was immediately a positive influence. Absolutely skinning guys with Calvin Harris there on that left flank for FC Dallas. Not a lot of bad things I can find, Mark, from Atlanta United Twitter to say about him. 26-year-old, he is going into the final year. There's an option for him, a team option on his contract for 2024. So that's something to take into account. But Mark, I would say based on what we've seen from him and based on just the other metrics we have, a valuation of approximately, you know, like 650K if we're talking about the combined gam and depending on how we want to, you know, put a valuation on the half season of a international roster spot as well. If this just immediately means that I no longer have to worry about the left back position, Rabbi, and Robin Frazier can finally have confidence in playing a four-man backline, not needing five guys back in order to properly defend, Andrew Gutman is absolutely worth that price. Thoughts? Yeah, I well, so my objections to Andrew Gutman weren't about his quality because everyone's really happy with him. And so who am I to say... We shouldn't have acquired a really good left back. My my objections were I, that wasn't a position that I thought we needed. Um, Moise Bombito seems like he did a pretty good job there. And I really like Anthony Marcanic. I know there's a bunch of people out there in Rapids Twitter who have objected and said, like, what's so special about him? Um, but I think he's um, talented. Clearly, the team doesn't agree with me because he's seeing more time for Rapids, too, than he is for the senior team. So um, far be it for me to say... It's a bad move. It seems like a good move. Um, in the, I think the most exciting thing for us to see in the first match that he played this past week was that he forced the team to play a four back. Um, and the Rapids basically played the way I saw it, a four four two, which I kind of liked. Um, I'm kind of old school in terms of liking the four four two. I think the four four two is often. We could talk more about it when we get to the game, but I think the four four two is often maligned as stodgy and old and whatever and you know as we always say on holding the high line um formation is not is 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 only shorthand for tactics but it doesn't replace tactics right there are very very different looking 442s right there's a total football 442 where everybody switches positions and it's very fluid there's a high uh, fullback o double overlap 442 which is a very big use of modern football um, and then there's a fairly boring and static 4-4-2, which we kind of saw the U.S. men's national team play in the early 2000s. <laughs> and long ago, long ago, in the early 2000s, like under uh, Steve Sampson. You know, that was a that was a dull 4-4-2 in an era when the 4-4-2 had, had become uh, kind of passed over as a, as a tactic. So um, I think the only challenge with Major League Soccer and the 4-4-2 is... You know, trends in um, advanced tactics and the way people set up usually start in Europe and come to America two or three seasons later. Um, you know, the four-two-three-one was really popular in Europe before it became a big deal in Major League Soccer. Then the four-three-three was the dominant, um, exciting, sexy 
um, formation in Europe before it came to some of the fancier, hoitier, toitier teams in in Major League Soccer. And now um, the 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 offense that you don't see as much in Europe anymore, but started there is five at the back. Um, five at the back is really popular in Major League Soccer the last two seasons, um, but maybe um, the dew is off the lily and we've moved on from that. And maybe the four four two is the new old thing. I don't know. So anyways, long story short, Goodman brought that in, and so that, that, that makes me excited because I don't think you can go three center backs um, and a left wing back and a right wing back unless... Those are your five best players on the field, and they're really kind of complementing each other. Gutman maybe opens things up in a way that um, you couldn't do before with the other left backs the Rapids had, and that's exciting. Last thing I'll say is I'm excited by the possibility that it the the putting Gutman on solves left back and forces the Rapids to have to put Moise Bombito on the field in a different position, which would probably be defensive midfield. I, I I think he's better at a center back at this point, Mark. So the so that brings up an interesting question. Last thing I'll say on last thing I'll say on Gutman, Mark, is that uh, Andrew Gutman was actually in the academy for a hot minute with the Chicago Fire with one Jonathan Lewis. So assuming we're assuming Johnny's not potentially one of the guys with market value who the Rapids are moving out in order to shuffle the deck and everything, Mark. Uh, given what we saw Calvin Harris and Andrew Gutman do, having not really trained together at all, the notion of having two guys who have almost a decade of history of knowing each other, playing in the academy at their two natural positions on the left side and everything, just cooking fools for opposing teams at altitude. That's something that excites me. But you bring up an interesting question, Mark, which is the, first of all, I, I can confirm right now, folks, the, the Rapids uh, from a senior roster spot, DP slot, money-wise, and international roster spot standpoint, could not have signed, announced, and registered Navahu without having all of those being compliant. So, Mark, you're looking at your spreadsheet and kind of wondering where all the pieces are going. Calvin Harris gets his green card. That opens up a international roster spot. That then gets sent in the trade for Andrew Gutman. Marco Illich is no longer a part of the team. That frees up an international roster spot and a senior roster spot, albeit that senior roster spot specifically has to go to a goalkeeper because the because three of the roster spots specifically are for goalkeepers. You can't have the full roster filled up and then only have one or two goalkeepers so uh i i'm still working to get the actual details going on mark it could be that one of the guys uh, a homegrown or a ga guy was moved down to a supplemental roster spot or something else going on but it brings up a good question rabbi which is if the rapids are going out for a midfielder or for a winger or if they're regardless of if they're signing another goalkeeper international or otherwise either from Senior roster spots, overall roster spots, or international roster slots, somebody has to be going out. And so I think we need to prepare ourselves, Mark, that there's going to be at least one or two exits going on in this window. If Andrew Gutman is worth roughly 650k in total assets in MLS, Mark, I'm, I'm not sure Lawless and Danny right now individually are worth more than 400. I could see a team taking a flyer on them potentially. There's Danny Leva, who right now... Uh, is, you know, there's an option for either team 
to send to end the loan from Seattle Sounders to Colorado Rapids. I feel like if he was super unhappy with uh, his situation, you know, at time of recording, we're almost a week into the transfer window being open. I feel like he would have told his agent, they would have told the clubs. And I think the way that Seattle and Colorado operate, they would have respected that. I feel like if Seattle immediately wanted him back, they would have called him back by now. And so I think at this point, it's a question of either to make space for someone else who, again, is going to be more permanent on the team. That would be something to open up or just to make space for someone else to move around within the roster. I think that is more of a significant factor right now. If the Rapids are trying to make one other big splash, then simply is Danny Leva not bad enough to where what he brings is different enough and the Rapids need help at midfield because they have so many injuries and because Jack Price isn't there that ah, let's have him hang around. And if we punt on this season, who cares? So that's the only other thought that I had on Danny Leva. But um, Rabbi, you mentioned Jonathan Lewis. I think a veteran center back could potentially be on the way out. I look at a Michael Barrios or a Brian Acosta who are in the final guaranteed years of their deal. And if they're coming off the bench for a team that's looking to try and win something, I think that could be a flyer worth a, a rental flyer worth taking consideration on Mark, any other players that you think we could seriously be seeing depart the Rapids this window? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I tweeted about it the other day, which is kind of the bottom end of the roster, the the guys who are like least least useful on the roster, um, who could who the way it works is you either trade assets that have value that you can get something for, or you ditch uh, players who have no value and you can't do anything about. You eat you eat the money. Yeah, I think Rapids fans are often saying like, oh, we should sell Stephen Betashore for a million dollars. And it's like, guys, that's not how it works. Like nobody wants Stephen Betashore for a million dollars. Stephen Betashore is a possible casualty. Now, the Rapids are pretty, are pretty uh, good, are good team. They tend not to cut players like you really have to be, you know, I mean, the the, the most notable cut of all time was Shkelzengashi and Having spoken to sources inside the club, they very much believe that he did not have the heart or the desire to be there. Like he was, you know, borderline like faking injuries um, and just not performing at all. And they just couldn't get him on the field. And at that point, you know, it was a foregone conclusion. So um, that's not Stephen Betashore. Betashore works hard. He's a good guy. He's a good guy for the locker room. But if you need the roster spot, um, you know, and you or you want to get other guys in there, um, that that would be a good thing. Max Alves would be a good one, although he's got the innocent until proven guilty issue that, um, you know, realistically, if they released him, it would possibly be um, against the rules. They definitely still have to pay him unless they have some sort of magical insurance clause. Um, and I think, you know, when you release players who are under investigation but haven't actually been found guilty of anything it's probably an mlp mls pa players association violation it's probably um you know not allowed um so that'd be a player that i'd want to get rid of but we're probably not gonna get rid of um and i guess the last player out of here um that i think the team could kind of um move along and this really has more to do with thinking about rebuilding is sam nicholson sam who is a phenomenal player an energetic player an exciting player um but i think that means he has value and he has value with a potential playoff team right sam nicholson 
is a, a, a solid mid-table team's ideal 75th minute replacement at wing back or uh winger like he's a he's a he's got a tireless work ethic you could put him at multiple positions and he'll do a good thing he inverts really nicely um it'd be a shame to lose him because he's so much fun but like i could see a team like um portland or philadelphia uh a team like nycfc or or red bull um nashville uh, Cincinnati, all those teams could use a guy like Sam Nicholson in their roster. You know, mid mid level teams that really need that extra guy with MLS experience to put them over the top. So those are my three guys that, if I were the uh, general manager of the Rapids, I would make a move for. And mostly from Sam, all you want to get is a bunch of Gam or Tam that you can use for 2024. Because let's face it, 2023 is over. You've got to start making moves for next year. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure any of the players we've mentioned, Mark. If if Andrew Gutman's market value is six hundred fifty, seven hundred and fifty ish K, I'm not sure any of the guys we've mentioned are, are worth more than half a million dollars individually. You know, I think if you're talking about, you know, a Michael Barrios who's out of contract as well, I mean two hundred and fifty K, I mean, at what point is the real value from a Rapids perspective simply opening up that roster spot and then getting all of that money for an appreciating asset off your book so that you don't have to make a decision about him in the offseason. Another thing that I just realized off the top of my head, Mark, is technically Jack Price and Diego Rubio are in the final guaranteed years of their current deals. Both have team options for 2024. Price also has an option for 2025 off the top of my head. The one thing you didn't mention, Mark, that the Rapids could do if they really wanted to cut bait from Max completely is that they do have their no conditions, um, you know, once a during the season buyout. So if the Rapids just simply pay out Max's full salary and everything, they can execute that and then just completely rip up the contract. They did that with Skelshingashi like right before the season started. So that's an option, but I don't think that they do that. It's possible, but I think... So his contract is through 2025. So I think that means they have to buy him out for 2024 and 2025 also, which his contract isn't that much. Um, I mean, Gashi was on 1.7 million when they cut him. Um, his con- Alves' contract for this year is 313000 So I think hypothetically, unless there's some massive escalators in his contract... The buyout for the Rapids is like a million, a million two. It's a lot of money to drop on a player. And you probably, if you're Porrick Smith, want to wait till the Brazilian police determine that he's guilty, at which point he's prob- his contract is probably invalidated from a moral per- turpitude clause. I just wanted to say one last thing, which is, to your point, really well said, Matt. Um, Stephen Betashore's contract expires at the end of 2023. Sam Nicholson's contract expires at the end of 2023. So those are two guys who, um, you know, you might want to move on anyways because they're expiring anyhow. I think Nicholson has a a, a, a club option to add. I think Betashore does not. So, but I don't write, I don't remember to write those things down in this long-winded uh, uh, salary uh, spreadsheet that I have. Maybe I should in the future. Mark, we're 40 minutes in and we haven't actually talked about soccer and the Rapids played one and a half games last week. So uh, 
Yes. Uh, so the Rapids are set to restart their the second half against Portland Timbers this coming Wednesday. Listeners, for the 4th of July game, the game was delayed by almost two hours to start. Basically, almost the exact same minute in terms of the players uh, co- almost coming out for the procession in the delayed game against Vancouver. It was right after the National Anthems were actually done. Um, played nil nil at halftime. I thought the Rapids had the better of the play. One really good chance for Portland in transition, but kind of typical of. I, I was going into that mark thinking, well, okay, at some point the Rapids have to score in order to actually win this game, and I could see Portland pulling something out of absolute nowhere, and the Rapids making a mistake, and Portland winning this game one nil. Not like we haven't seen that before, listeners. Um, and then we got to halftime, and it was like, okay, here we go, let's go. Uh, got confirmation that the fireworks were a go as long as there wasn't another delay, and two minutes later we had another delay mark and it was the exact same minute that I got confirmation 11:42 p.m. that the game was off and due to be postponed obviously we know now that we're playing uh, Mark, just a, I'll, I'll do very quickly rapid fire. Good thing, bad thing, big thing. Uh, Lol Sububukar with two big chances off of corners. David Bingham getting a fantastic save on one of them. Another one, Cole Bassett rightfully called for um, effectively goaltender interference, effectively a, a really good box out in basketball, basketball to prevent David Bingham from getting to make that save. And I do have some curiosities about the officiating, Mark, before because towards the end of the half, Darren Yappi does a nice little turn on Zuparik, I think it was. It was a Portland center back who wasn't Eric Miller, who was playing in at center back, Mark. Um, Susan Miller interacted with us on Twitter. I'm not sure if you saw that, Rabbi. So shout out to Susan if you're somehow still listening to Holding the High Line, even though your son hasn't played for the Rapids in like five years. Um, And I thought that warranted a foul and a yellow card, given how much jersey and how much uh, Darren Yappi was impeded. But... MLS ref's going to MLS ref, as we'll get to in a minute. Um, the Rapids, uh, you know, I th- I still think are at a best net neutral, probably net negative in terms of the officiating this season. And Robin Frazier was asked post game on Saturday, Mark, about this game. And, you know, he said it was going to be a weird situation because it's 45 minutes for three points. And you can't think about this in terms of, oh, we've got 90 minutes. We can take 30 minutes to settle in or you can make adjustments. The adjustments are you immediately making a sub to try and go win the game if something goes wrong in the opening 15 minutes. And that's going to make it urgent and weird and on the long list of weird things that I have seen in covering the Colorado Rapids, this might be one of the more bizarre things that we've seen. Mark, anything you want to say about the first half against Portland or previewing Portland restarting on Wednesday? I don't re- I don't know why I don't really remember it, but I just don't remember much happening. I mean, am I wrong about that? Like, I just... You, you quoted some of the things, and, like, I, I just don't have a memory of it. I mean, I watched it, but... Um, you know, maybe it was boring and I was uh, I was hoping that I was kind of mentally fast forwarding through the game going like, all right, we're going to get to the second half and something interesting is going to happen. And, and then it started to rain and I went, all right, we're going to bed. You know, and that was that. Well, I mean, Mark, for you, it would have been what, almost an 1130 p.m. start if you were in. Well, wait, no, you were in Los Angeles at the time, so you would have had an hour advantage. But I mean, you know, the Rapids kind of started good, got in good areas, but didn't make any chances. And then the two uh, chances for Abubakar off of corners came back to back. So that would have been really quick. And then the Yapi chance would have been, I think, in stoppage time of the first half as well. So, I mean, yes, there were long stretches of not a whole lot going on. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting um, to see how they restart. But you're right. Like, there's nothing normal about this game. 
Um, I kind of wonder what it'll be like to have a home game where the attendance will be really bad. It's been pretty interesting that attendance has been really good, despite the Rapids being really poor uh, this season, I guess. When the weather's nice in Colorado or when people are excited about fireworks or, you know, maybe there's just general buzz about soccer in in Colorado right now. And uh, but but the attendance has been very good. Um, I think that that's hard to figure out as a passionate fan, excuse me, like you and I are, which is you kind of and this is going to sound perverse and negative. So please, fans, don't misunderstand me. But like you kind of want the team to feel it at the box office if they're not playing well, because it will tell the management that they are, they're expected to produce something better, right? Like um, if there was a time when I was a kid where the LA Clippers were like the Washington generals of the NBA, where like Clippers TV ads would never advertise the actual Clippers because Who's going to get excited about going to see Olden Polonese or Danny Manning? Those are names from the past that only middle-aged men with very, very strange proclivities in the NBA would remember. Danny Manning you might want to remember, but anyways, he was like the first pick overall out of Kansas. But anyways, um, but they would advertise, you know, come to, come to a Clippers game where you can see Michael Jordan dunk on the Clippers, where you can see... Um, Dominic Wilkins, dunk on the Clippers, right? Like, we were the Washington Generals. We. I wasn't really a Clippers fan, but that was the point. Maybe that's what the Rapids are turning into, that they're a bit of a... But, like, it's it's interesting that, like, you can come see Major League Soccer in Denver, Colorado. You're not there to see our team, but you're there to see Major League Soccer. And I think moving forward into the, the Messi era, um, that's a real thing that folks might... I mean, I think if you have a, a lot of money and you live in Colorado and you are a, you know who Lionel Messi is, your best bet to go see Lionel Messi in 2024 is to get a season tickets to the Rapids. So, because waiting for the one Inter-Miami game that we may or may not have, that game's going to be sold out in eight seconds. If Inter-Miami even comes to Colorado next year, which is dubious at best. All right. I've said a lot of things. None of it had to do with the Portland game. Um, the second half of this game should be interesting. I don't think most of it has anything to do with soccer, though. It's really mostly about mentality and the ability to kind of turn around Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and come in and, and do a good thing. So we'll see what happens. One thing that I completely forgot to mention, Mark, that I've actually I've promised a bunch of people is going to be the title of this podcast is that wait till i find it um the so there's there's an interesting description that we've seen on so mark have you seen what max's injury description is on fought mob the last couple weeks sure it's uh oh i physical what was it physical inability something like that what was it physical discomfort physical discomfort the way that the the way that the rapids have been describing him on the player availability report is removed from team activities and so i can't think of like a weirder in in terms of like how i feel I, i was describing this to i was describing this to someone at training today mark like i feel like the 
the waiting, having played half a game and then thinking about that in terms of Portland, it's like we're in this weird Portland Timbers halftime twilight zone almost, and that is causing me physical discomfort. It's like there's a British comedian who, for his Netflix special, he talks about the period of the holidays, and you might not be able to relate to this, Mark, as a, as a Jew, but the as someone who grew up in a Christian household, the time between christmas and new year's day or new year's eve it's just like one big blur where you don't know what day of the week it is you don't know what day in the calendar day it is it's just this weird middle ground and i feel like we have just been in this timbers halftime twilight zone of physical discomfort and i'm just really looking forward to wednesday being done and being able to not have to think about oh the rapids have played 21 and a half games i love it it messes with your brain to be in a position and i'm the same way too you look on foot mob and it basic it says that the first half of this game was abandoned and just as a line through the match and the and it basically assumes that the game still exists in some strange temporal eddy uh on July 4th right because that's where it's marked and that makes everybody uncomfortable because it's not on July 4th for for god's sake it's happening on July 12th but it's not so it's confusing and we don't like it and we want it to be over uh, Mark, we didn't do a prediction. Uh, what do you got in this, you know, 45 minutes for three points on Wednesday? God, it's really interesting. I mean, both teams, you know, it's interesting to like, how do you, how do you, how do you mentally prep for the game? Because you either tell the team, go all out, like play like you're going for a goal extra hard, the whole thing, or you say button up and just play for the draw. You know, I don't think the Rapids can afford to play for draws at all, but I also don't think realistically any of the season matters and i think robin probably knows that that we're shifting towards building for 2024 so i think it's button up and it'll end in a nil nil draw or worst case scenario portland knows the rapids are going to button up and they're going to go for the points and they'll get them so and it'll end one nil so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna bet nil nil draw but i'm i'm not i'm not totally opposed to the idea of a one nil portland win I think it's going to be an ill no draw in this one as well. I think Portland comes here and thinks, you know, we get a clean sheet for 45 minutes and everything. We we get to nil no at halftime and we've gotten a point and that's probably good enough. And I just it's so weird, Mark, because it's the second half. But like emotionally and from a rhythm standpoint as a player, it's going to be the first half. And while we've seen the Rapids play well in the first half, we haven't seen them often particularly at home, score first in the first half or just can go in with a lead in there. And so I think this is going to be, I think the Rapids are going to come out. I think they're going to have most of the ball. I think they're going to get into good areas more often than the Portland Timbers do. I think in terms of the overall quality, collective quality of opportunities, otherwise known as XG, I think it's going to be roughly even. I don't think either team's going to be particularly sharp. And ultimately, it's going to end in a nil-nil draw. Mark, we will get to the FC Dallas game. But first of all, given that the sports department at the New York Times is shutting down, Mark, what is the best way Highliners and Rapids fans can support the independent coverage of the Burgundy Boys? Yeah, I didn't. I I'm glad you you mentioned that because I actually didn't follow that story. I I saw it mentioned, but I didn't really know uh, what it what it means. So um, I guess it means Andrew Das and uh, uh, oh, I forget the uh, Tariq, Tariq. I forget his forget his name. One of the other soccer writers for their team. Um, I was out of a gig and I was going to have to do something else. But um, you know, we're living in really strange times with sports media where there's 
um, less and less local coverage. The local coverage is more unreliable, and the non-professional coverage, which is folks like me and you, Matt, um, you kind of have to rely on it more and more. And it puts a lot of strain on us uh, citizen soccer journalists, um, which we're happy to do. I mean, we do this because we love this team and we're really interested in it. But, um, you know, flying out to games, driving out to games, driving out to training, transcribing interviews, none of it's free. Um, that's why we'd love for you to help pay uh, for us to help support the, the reporting that we do. Um, you can be a paid Highliner, uh, which is a paid supporter of Holding the Highlines Substack and Holding the Highlines podcasting uh, entity um, for $5 a month or $42 a year. Um, we still have some pint glasses to send out. Um, there's still a bunch more. And if you subscribe by the, I'm going to say by the end of this year, you will still get a pint glass from us. So it's a great idea. Um, five bucks a month or the $42 a year rate, and we'll send you a pint glass. I got one back in the mail uh, from uh, a, a prominent former Denver jur- uh, sports journalist who apparently gave me the wrong address. So we'll have to send that back out. And Matt, you're still getting yours. In addition to that, me and the, the patron saint of the podcast himself have exchanged gifts I received a Azira Michael Foundation t-shirt in the mail the other day, which I wore proudly uh, yesterday. Um, and in exchange, Michael Azira is receiving a Holding the High Line Cheers to the Six uh, pint glass tomorrow. So be like Michael Azira, get the pint, get the pint glass. Um, you'll be supporting citizen soccer journalism, and we appreciate it. Back to you, Matt. Praise Michael Azira indeed here, Mark. Okay, listeners, uh, this past Saturday at the Richard, the Colorado Rapids finally won a home game in MLS play in 2023. It was a very shifted lineup, Rabbi. So given that the the postponed Timbers game had been rescheduled by the time this game was announced, the lineups are already locked in. So I guess the one thing we didn't mention for Portland folks is that it's the same lineup that you had that started the 4th of July game, and if any of the starters are coming out, it's because the Rapids have to use subs from the available substitute bench. If off on the off chance, a Rapids player departs tomorrow or potentially Wednesday morning, that's effectively a dead roster spot. You're not subbing anybody in, and if it's one of the starters, you have to make one of your halftime substitutes for that as well. So Mark, this lineup very much took into account the players that played the first half against Portland that were locked into playing Portland again on Wednesday. And then effectively Robin Frazier now has to triage or plan out load management through the Houston game now on Saturday, given what was locked in between the Tuesday before and the Wednesday after. And so we saw a few lineup changes. First of all, Andrew Gutman inserted into the starting lineup, played 90 minutes, um, at altitude after what two three days of training at the absolute most I thought he was very good though he mentioned it's taking some adjustment time for him Brian Acosta was back off of short uh rest from Honduras as well and then Calvin Harris his most minutes that he's gotten for the first team this season I think 63 65 minutes Brian Galvan on the right flank and then Darren Yappi up top with Kevin Cabral on the bench for this one um I'll just run it down Mark uh, kind of my main thoughts on it you know, uh, Darren Yappi and, and Cole Bassett got a bunch of chances. 
Bassett's emotions, Mark, are starting to become a concern for me. I've seen Rapids fans criticize and be upset with that earlier in the season, and I thought those were valid frustrations given what was going on with the team around him, but um, he doesn't have his shooting boots right now. He's become He hasn't become post-Bassett because he hasn't hit the post or anything, but, you know, he's not really been, he's been goal dangerous in Pole getting- Paul Bassett. Paul Bassett. Paul Bassett, excuse me. Uh, All good. And so he's getting into good areas, but like the, it's not just that like he's getting close, but not finishing or that the goalkeepers are making good saves. It's that he's not, it's not even a threatening shot once it comes off his boot. And that's a concern. And I say that's a concern. Darren Yappi straight up has the yips at this point, Mark. The chance that technically wasn't registered as a shot because the handball was called after the fact on it, where it goes down into the box. Keegan Rosenberry thinks it's a handball on Junkwa, continues to play in the puts it in the middle and it's in the box with the goalkeeper out of position and Yappi finds some way of kicking that for a field goal over the net at anything I don't know what this guy needs to do to to buy a goal at this point um I think he's working incredibly hard I think he looks good in training he's doing a lot of really good stuff off the ball that I think is better than what Kevin Cabral is doing and he's getting into more dangerous opportunities more frequently than Kevin Cabral. But, I mean, kid can't hit a broadside of a barn at this point, um, unfortunately. He, he, he can hit the south stand, and that's really about it, um, unfortunately. Uh, kind of a prototypical home game for me, Rabbi, in that the Rapids start out really good, get a bunch of decent half chances, aren't able to convert, start to get frustrated. And then Dallas gets one opportunity, and it's kind of a fluke goal that gives them the lead with Junkua cutting inside and then shooting. I think the shot was going wide, but it goes off of Lawless's head and then into the opposite side netting that Junkua was shooting for. It was originally listed as an own goal, and then the stats department in MLS then changed it to a Junkua goal. I don't know what's going on with that. In any case, um, and then so Andreas Maxu scoring on a corner a little bit way after that, his first goal for the team mark. And, you know, it's it's nice to see him score. It's nice to see it come off of a corner, given the opportunities that he's gotten. And then, as I mentioned, you know, the handball that got VAR on Junkwa in the second half, leading to a penalty opportunity, which mark, I should point out, Brian Galvan and Cole Bassett kind of argued over who was taking it and Cole seemed upset when he ultimately didn't get it but um you know Galvan going in and going with a Panenka for his first penalty for the club you know a lot of self-belief is how Robin Frazier described you know having the gall or the cojones in order to go after that and the only other play that I really have to talk about Mark um from a pool reporter standpoint was earlier before that handball on Junkwa um Andrew Gutman puts the ball in the net off of a double-headed situation off of a corner for the Rapids on the south stand, and he's called for a handball. I haven't seen a great replay of it. I'm open to being convinced otherwise. Listeners, or I don't know if Instant Replay's put out their episode yet for the weekend, Mark, is I think it goes over like the shoulder, like the ball and socket part of the shoulder that is very clearly far enough high up on the sleeve of the jersey to where I think that would warrant it being called a goal. Gutman didn't really react to it. I've seen a number of fans, Mark, who've looked at it who looked at both plays and who felt that um, both plays were accurate. Two kind of 50-50 closest calls. The Rapids don't get one. The Rapids get one. It leads to a win. I'm not going to go after the officials given that situation. Rabbi, your thoughts on the Dallas win? I thought it was great. I thought the team looked energetic and upbeat. Um, they were kind of rushing around everywhere. I like the lineup that they went with in this match. I, you know, it's it's either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2, depending on whether it's an attack or defense and kind of like where they are on the field. But um, I thought the Max Schuh goal was fantastic. Uh, he just really rose up and hit that sucker really well. 
Um, it was the commentator noted that uh, he was he he jumped like a salmon. Uh, someone else on Twitter noted that it seems like some of the Apple MLS commentators seem to regard all leaping players in the box with the diminutive of they look like a salmon. But I thought it was fun that we now have a Scottish salmon and a Danish salmon. So we are the Colorado Rapids. We're bad at soccer, but we're good on a bagel. So take that and, and, and <laughs> put that on a t-shirt, Matt. I, I like that one very much. Um, by the way, handling care note on the pint glasses, they're especially the hail to the sixes part on the back, um, cheers to the sixes part, um, is uh, it's better if you hand wash the uh, glasses than if you uh, machine wash them. I've, I've run it through the dishwasher uh, and it was fine once, but you do it two or three times and it'll start to wear. So take good care of your glasses, people. Um, anyways, uh, and maybe next year we'll, we'll spring for like a more expensive, higher quality printing company. Um, anyways, point being, I thought this game looked good. Um, the one thing that was interesting and notable, um, was that there were a lot of fouls. Um, the Rapids didn't foul a lot. I believe Dallas and, and Colorado both had, um, roughly, no, I take that back. The Rapids did foul a lot. They had 21 fouls to Dallas's 11. They had five yellow cards. Um, they never really, you know, walked that line of like throwing up a, a potential red. Speaking of um, Brian Galvan, uh, you know, we did our, I, I did my mid-season grades last week for the Substack. You'll want to read that article if you haven't already. Although, you know, in the in, in the looking back after a win, it'll look really cruel. But you have to remember, remember, this is only the team's third win in twenty matches. So um, it's it's. The team's been overwhelmingly bad, but they looked pretty good in this match. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to note was, like, my favorite moment of the game is a strange one. Michael Barrios got a yellow card in the 83rd minute, and it was basically uh, Dallas had a breakaway, and their player had, like, you know, five feet on Barrios. Barrios ran him down, and rather than make a play for the ball, which he probably couldn't do, the player had a fairly dangerous break, and Barrios did what a smart player does, which is grab at the jersey, grab at his arm, draw the tactical foul, stop the play. And it to me, it was really um, enjoyable because it was a veteran player making a move to preserve a win in the late stages of a game, which when's the last time we said that about anybody on the Rapids? They haven't been preserving anything this season, let alone being in a position to win a game. So it was really, really great all around. Um, and I think, um, you know, like, like you said, Matt, I don't want to, I just want to reiterate what you said about Galvan and the Panenka. Like, who Panenkas when your team is in dead last and you haven't scored a goal in two years? Brian Galvan, that's who. Um, it was just the giant cojones move of the season. And um, between that and Barrios, it was those were probably the two most enjoyable ones. But everybody else, you know, played a good game. There's a lot of good defending. Um, a lot of a lot of good tackles. This team was there all over the place. And they walked that line between you know, fouling. Um, and, but, but most of the fouls were just about playing aggressive and, um, you know, it was really good to see the team play aggressive, but clean string passes together, you know, attack well, and it all came together and they won a game. So I think they could do that a couple more times this season. Can they do it nine times, 10 times and make the playoffs? No, but they could do it four times and that would be a great finish to the season.
two things I, I again I, I can't emphasize this enough listeners the Colorado Rapids won a home game there should have been so much relief and joy that happened Mark I've heard some criticism from fans that uh, the club is not playing Mountain Road Country Road before the start of the game and they played it uh, they played it after the game so I'm kind of wondering like did they secretly be like oh we'll play this after home wins so it'll be special and then when we don't win a bunch of home games then it'll just be really sad so there's that uh, to your point Rabbi quote retweet Galvan was all sauce all sizzle all techers in this game as well and he was feeding off of the crowd reacting to it almost like a wwe um not heel whatever the good guy word is for that and he was feeding off of it and that's where again to our point of how we've talked about emotions have been a negative for so many rapids players when when it's good it's fantastic and when it's bad it's rage quit red cards that just set your team up to lose and so hopefully this is something that you know is going to help out brian galvan from a confidence standpoint and if the crowd keeps reacting to that he's going to keep doing it and making defenders look silly and set the team up to really do good things on the ball as well in ways that I, I'd argue Mark the, the Rapids haven't really done a whole lot of Diego Rubio hasn't been there Nicholson's had some moments mostly on the road Bassett's has some half moments but there's plenty of Rapids players where the ball comes to them and they don't do anything from a progressive standpoint or being brave in terms of trying to make something happen and say what you will Galvan was trying to make something happen in a spectacular fashion and you know look no further than the penalty and the way he took it and the way that he celebrated it and then Mark we we haven't officially we haven't brought this up a whole lot but Drew Moore was inducted into the Gallery of Honor at halftime. There was a bunch of stuff pregame with him. There was a bunch of stuff at halftime with him. Obviously, C-38 has a big banner uh, that uh, caused uh, me and a couple of the other members of the media to have to move over a little bit as well that looked fantastic as well. And then obviously, you know, his name's uh, up there. He had a really nice speech at halftime, Mark, that was quintessential. Drew Moore, I'm maybe paraphrasing inaccurately, but I'm, uh, I'll get to the gist of it where he said the, you know, my name will hang up in the rafters, you know, on the, you know, in the high part of the stands there with the, you know, with the mountains behind and my club in front of it. And that's just perfect. And the way that Drew Moore summed that up, given coming from Dallas and his situation, given obviously building his family for Toronto, but then coming home and having a home from a club in a city and a state standpoint, is just immediately perfect in that regard. And on that note, Rabbi, given I'm working on getting an hour interview with Drew Moore this week or next week, which will feature on the podcast to give him his proper testimonial from a podcast standpoint mark we currently in the all in the hthl all highline team have inducted michael azira pablo mastroeni and marcella boboa rabbi i would like to vote to unanimously include drew moore into the all highline team so moved absolutely i would also want to put because i personally believe i think i don't think you mentioned it uh because i wasn't paying that close attention um sam cronin in there too because Anywhere Michael goes, Sam's got to be right next to him, making the tackler cutting off the pass. We'll make him a uh, we'll make him the winter inductee, Mark. Since we do this like once every six months as well, I, d- I don't want to. We should give Sam Cronin his flowers. We should probably try and get a hold of him to get him uh, to get him on the podcast. But I I, I don't want uh, Sam should Sam should have his moment. That is not him riding on the coattails of Drew Moore simply because we're hyping up Michael Azir even more because that's what we do here at HDHL. Listeners, uh, after the Rapids play their second half against Portland this coming Saturday, the 14th, 15th of July, the Colorado Rapids will be taking on Houston Dynamo for the first time this season. Pid still in last in the Western Conference, 14th on 
17 points off of 21 games played. All of this is at time of recording, listeners. These numbers will change by the time the Rapids finish their game against Portland, assuming it isn't rained out because of hail and lightning. Uh, So (laughs) at currently uh, three wins, 10 losses, eight draws, goal difference of negative 14. And at DSG at present, they are one, four, and five. Houston coming in eighth in the Western Conference, 28 points off of 21 games played. They have a record of eight, nine, and four, and a goal difference of minus two. But Mark, this is a team of where are they playing physically? They have a great record at home, but on the road this season, they are just one, eight, and two. Hector Herrera, Ache Ache, has been absolutely fantastic for the Orange Dynamo this season, Mark. He looks revitalized. He's doing great stuff in the midfield. He's doing great things that obviously he was able to do in Europe. Great things that L Tree fans will remember about what he was able to do as well. Should be pointed out, Houston is playing midweek at home against Minnesota United as well, listeners. So do they have any injuries? Do they get a big win? Does first year head coach Ben Olsen think about this game differently given what they have going on midweek as well? But Mark, I look at this. This is kind of it's a bit of a retread lineup and in a good way. I look at Daniel Sarris, who I always thought was underrated with the LA Galaxy, who's been decent with the Houston Dynamo. They've got Steve Clark, who is an absolute meme and an agent of chaos more than he is a goalkeeper in MLS as well. Corey Baird, who we've seen kind of bounce around, but you know, you put him in a good situation with good players around him, he'll get you his numbers and not really a whole lot else. And then uh, Artur has been the main holding midfielder, formerly of the Columbus crew, who's then enabled Hector Herrera to do a lot of things just like Artur would have done with Darlington Nagby up in Columbus. And then they've got a couple forwards, Mark, nobody who I'm super scared of in that. There's not one guy doing everything. It should be pointed out, Mark, um, that uh, Coco Karaskia has not played a whole lot this season. I think he's had an injury recently, and I always remember him playing very well and giving the Rapids trouble in midfield. So uh, the Rapids maybe don't have to deal with Coco, but they do have to deal with Ache Ache. Rabbi, your thoughts on the Orange? Uh, Amin Basse has Abassi has eight goals. He's 25-year-old out of France. Um, so that's way more than anyone on the Colorado Rapids. Another notable thing that I thought was kind of amusing, although depressing, about the Rapids acquisition of Andrew Gutman is Gutman immediately became the team's leading goal scorer, um, which is weird because he's a left back and also weird because he's never scored a goal for the Rapids. He has three goals for the for for another team. Um, and, uh, nobody on the Rapids has more than two goals. Um, so that's a weird little thing, but Bassi is, is, uh, pretty good. And he's been, um, finishing things off and getting a bunch of goals of late. The other interesting thing about, uh, Houston is that they're, especially of late, super streaky. Um, they have three games winless, um, including a bludgeoning at the hands of fellow Texas team, Austin, three nil on the road in Austin. Um, but they're super streaky. They had a 4-0 win against LAFC and a 4-1 win against San Jose in a four-game win streak, which preceded their three-game skid. And then earlier than that, in their two-game skid that preceded the four-game win streak, they had a 6-2 loss to Vancouver, which I watched and was bonker balls, just absolutely chaos. Um, Vancouver, I think, had like two expected goals but got six goals out of that. And then two games before that, they were on the end of another 4-0 game in which they beat Minnesota. So I don't have to be an expert to know that um, they're on the they're in the uh, process of typically 
um, being in games with three or more goals scored and sometimes uh, four or five or six total goals scored. So if you're a betting man um, and the somehow the 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 under is uh, is uh, the over under for goals in this game is like two or two point five, bet the over. Um, but the other interesting thing is just that like they seem to open themselves up. They're just not interested in playing a buttoned up slow kind of game. And I would assume that that has mostly to do with Hector Herrera being told like, yeah, we know you've been asked to be a defensive player in Mexico, but, um, you know, uh, this is your opportunity to ball out and be a 10. So go do that. Right. Um, I think that's a little bit of it. I think they also play their fullbacks high. Um, but I can't really tell you. I've only watched, I think two or three Houston games this year. Um, and they've just been, you know, wide open, kind of like a very, um, I wouldn't say tiki-taka, but they like to move the ball. They like to move the ball in in mostly short passes, and they like to move the ball quickly. So, um, and they, I think they like to put numbers forward. They do press a fair amount as well. So they're a high-tempo team, which is interesting because I think the Houston of old, you wouldn't say that about them. Like two or three years ago, you know, Houston would kind of roll out and they would they would mostly play. They played a lot of wide. Um, they played a lot of four three three last year. They wanted Fafa Pico to do a lot of things. Um, they had Romel Kyoto a couple of years ago. You know, rolling things out and 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 you know attacking from wide. And they were big on winger play. Um, I think now they're a little bit um, bigger on kind of fighting through um, overloading numbers uh, and then you know storming the box with with large number of players. So um, they're fun. They're tough to beat. Uh, they should cause problems for the Rapids. Um, although your point about going on the road makes me wonder, makes me wonder. My my biggest question, Mark, is with, to your point about how streaky they are, is what version of Houston we're going to get. And again, we're recording this before we have the data point of do the Rapids build on what they did against Saturday by getting a result against Portland Timbers? Does Houston come out and like absolutely look horrible in their midweek game against Minnesota, who just got shellacked by Austin, Mark? Or do they dominate Austin, get a result in that one, and then Ben Olsen thinks in typical MLS 2.0 head coaching approach of, okay, double game week win our home game let's go on the road try and nick a goal and if it's zero if it's nil nil fine and if we have a bad performance and lose one nil move on to the next one in that regard mark i'm gonna say based on my presumptions that i think houston gets a win on wednesday against minnesota and as i already predicted i don't think the rapids beat portland on this one i think enough of i i think uh i think potentially especially if navajo is available though i'm not sure tbd on that I think given some of the players that we know will be fresh for this game and will be up for it, I think the Rapids win, similar to the Dallas game, a nail-biter. I will take a 1-0 victory over Houston in this one, and the Rapids get a four-point week and seven points in eight days. I think we get absolutely hammered. (laughs) I don't know why, but I just feel like Houston is either Jekyll or Hyde, and they're going to come out and be Hyde in this one and win 3-0. So that's my prediction. Oof. All right. Well, Mark, we have covered so many things in like an hour and 17 minutes. We yeah, this was blazing through yeah. all of the topics because yeah. so much happened last week. So much happened since we recorded literally a week ago this time, which is absolutely crazy and fantastic. So let's get out of here. Listeners, you can follow us 
For now, we're still on Twitter. I'm exploring threads. We will let you know if and when individually and collectively we are on threads. But for now, on the Bird app, at soccer underscore rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, at Rapids 96 podcast check out all of our written work on the rapids uh for me at burgundywave.com and then for uh, mark and occasionally me holding the highline.substack.com you can view us in web format there you can subscribe to us via email there and it's also where you can go to give us the money for the paywall stuff and then also the merch that mark mentioned earlier with the cheers to the sixes pint glasses uh, email us in long form at rapids96 podcast or if you want to send us a question via twitter you can use the hashtag askhthl and if i haven't looked at threads enough to know if threads has uh to, to know if threads has hashtags or not mark but if they do use hashtag hdhl and then when we get on threads we'll get to you there um listeners we'll see you next week after hopefully two results for the burgundy Bulls. peace physical discomfort peace